You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good afternoon, City Church. How are we doing back here today? Yeah. And uh, how are you guys doing in the back room back there? <laughs> Sounds like you got a hangover from Fiesta back there in the back room. Uh, but you know, we're still in this freeway series where we're learning how we can be spiritually free. Um, and one of the things I was reading about uh, last year was what's called overload syndrome. I learned about it from a guy named Dr. Richard Swenson, and he was talking about uh, how when our load exceeds our limits and our reserves are depleted and we continue to make withdrawals emotionally uh, from our lives. Have you ever been in that situation where you've just got so many things going on and you're so stressed out and you've got one thing stacked after another and you keep making emotional withdrawals. Uh, this is overload syndrome. And part of what Dr. Swenson talks about is how stress and the rapid rise of our mobile devices is uh, exacerbating the situation here. And so look on screen, I'm gonna show you a little chart, a little questionnaire, and you check the box that's appropriate for you. Um, are you sleeping with your smartphone? And so the box on the left is surgically attached to you, so you're with it all the time. Uh, some of you would check yes, some of you would check perhaps, but I'm not saying. Some of you would check not all the time, no, just a pillow, next question please. But Look at the bottom there, and this is what I want you to answer to someone sitting next to you. Um, take a wild guess how many times you might check your phone on a typical day. You got that number in your head? Now go ahead and tell someone next to you real quick. Okay, it's just one number. It doesn't require a whole conversation. Okay, everybody in the back is done. They were done a long time ago. Uh, so in order to help answer this question here, um, I looked at a Nottingham Trent University study, and what they did in this particular study was they wanted to find out uh, how many times per day people were checking their phones, and so they installed an app on the participants' phones. And the app would say how many actual checks they did on their phone, and they wanted to compare the actual number with what they thought they were checking their phone. So uh, what the study showed is that on average, uh, people are checking their devices 85 times a day. And this is a third of the time a person is awake, and twice as often as many participants realize. And I got to thinking if the people in the study were checking their phones way more than what they thought, maybe some of us are checking our phones more than what we thought. And what it does to us, it makes us a little bit impatient, doesn't it? I mean, we've been called the impatient nation because people in America, we like speed date. We like uh, eat fast food. We use the self-checkout lines at the store, which is really great because you don't have to wait on that checker that doesn't know how to add or that person that can't at least just press the little touch screen. And we pay extra for overnight shipping. Uh, we uh, Twitter stories in 140 characters or less. Um, and then we keep pushing the elevator button even when it's already lit because everybody knows if you keep pushing the button, dude, that car's gonna get there faster for you. And I was, um, I was thinking about that in my own personal life um, and impatience in that. And I figure out that 
when trains are coming, right? You know, in the inner city, we always have to stop for the trains, and they're coming. And what I do is when I'm approaching the train tracks, I always, in my mind, I create my alternate route so I can escape waiting on the train. And I always know a, a little street that I can take, I can go up underneath the bridge and avoid waiting all those two minutes that you have to wait on a train. But this really manifests in my life when I'm eating pizza, because how many of you know that the pizza doesn't cool off fast enough for you to eat it? So it's like you get your pizza there, you're ready to throw down, and what you do, check this out, you just fold it in half. And if you fold the pizza, then you can ram it in your mouth without the hot pepperoni or burning the roof of your mouth, and then like you can just chase it with you know, soda or something like that, and it'll go right down and you don't burn the roof of uh, your mouth. There. Now, some people would tell me, Pastor Doug, you're, you're impatient. I'd say, no, I'm efficient is what we call that, see? It's a efficiency. So um, I got some volunteers that are going to help me um, communicate the big idea for today. And while they're coming down here, getting situated uh, up here with me, God wants you and I to live at peace and rest. He wants to give us peace and spiritual freedom. And so we're going to show you the one simple idea that we want to communicate together on the screen. And so as you guys look at it, there are going to be some hand motions associated with this. That's why I have my lovely volunteers today, all right? So check this out. If you and I want to live at a pace of freedom, we have to live with room so you guys in the audience can do this too. You can do this or this. Live with room so you're creating room, and then you have to have a, live a life of rhythm, right? So come on now. Come on, just a little bit. Can some of you white folks get down with us right there? Come on. Well, rhythm. Okay, then you also have to live and rest. So rest, just like this, falling asleep. Some of you are just getting comfortable, and you're going to sleep throughout the rest of my talk, but that's all right. Okay, so let's try it again together, and you guys know the hand motions. You can follow the leadership of my volunteers up here. So we ready to do this? So we're going to live a life of spiritual freedom. We have to create room, live with rhythm. Come on now. Fiesta ain't over. You can bring it back. And then we can live and rest, live and rest. So would you guys thank my friends here, Rachel and Annalisa. Thank you guys for helping out. So first, um, let's talk about how we can make room. You guys put your arms up there. You do that room. Ready? Okay. Y'all better not jack with me today or I'm going to get snowy on you, all right? So get those arms up. Um, so in your house, you have a personal space, an area where you sleep, and it's called your room. Some of you have dated someone that's kind of clingy. Have you ever dated someone that's a little on the clingy side? And you're like, sister girl, you got to give me some room right here. You know what I mean? Uh, when the police are at Niosa and you see that guy that got, drank way too many, his cups are stacked up way too high at Niosa, and the police have to haul him out of there, and they're hauling him out, and they're telling the crowd, you got to make room so we can get out of here. Well, Jesus modeled for you and I a life where we make room in our lives. Jesus had people pressing in on him all the time. Let me show you what he did in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. But despite Jesus' instruction, the report of his power spread even faster. The vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And so even though people knew that Jesus' power could heal them and they pressed in on him 
all the time. He created room by removing himself from the very people he was there to minister so he could catch his breath and recharge emotionally. We have to create room in our finances as well. How many of you have ever not had a savings account? Don't raise your hand. And then you have car problems and you have to go into excessive debt. See, create room with your savings account. And that way when you have an emergency, you have the room, the space, the margin to take care of it without stressing out. Now another thing we wanna uh, look at today is that we're designed to live with rhythm. Can we do that one more time? Because you are not impressing me today, one o'clock. Usually you're rowdy, but let's, let's, can you show me? Here we go, Here, ready? We're designed to live with rhythm. Back room, are you down with me? Uh-huh, I see you back room. Yeah, the back room, they're getting jiggy back there. I don't know what's going on up here. But um, here, here's the deal. Is that, um, here's what this means. We're not made to be lazy, but God created you and I to do meaningful work, see? Now, let me show you this next uh, diagram on screen. This is the semicircle of rest work. It was created by Mike Breen, and it's just a, a little drawing that you can draw out on a napkin, and it, and it represents the pendulum when you and I, uh, in rhythm, go back and forth between rest and work. Now, Jake came up to help me illustrate this on guitar, because those of you who play the guitar, you know that if you have a string that's too slack, the notes aren't going to sound right. So, Jake, demonstrate that. That sounds like one of the bands I heard during Fiesta. Okay, that wasn't bad. That wasn't good. But also, he's gonna, now he's going to tighten up a string, and that represents when you're too stressed out or you're too wound up. So demonstrate the note when, you, when it's too tight, Jake. Still sounds kind of off, doesn't it? Now he's going to take a little bit of time, and he's going to get the guitar in tune. See, some of you live lives where you have too much slack, and you don't sound very good. And some of you are too wound up, too tight, too stressed, and you don't sound too good. But what you're designed to have this balance there in tune. Now listen as Jake plays the guitar in tune. Yeah, that's the way it's supposed to sound, isn't it? So would you guys thank Jake for helping me out to illustrate this? Look. And I got to thinking about some of the, you ever known those folks that their string is too loose and they don't ever work and they're just a drag and a drain on everyone and they're sucking the welfare system dry and there's no reason they shouldn't be working and they're mooching off you and I and everybody else. Then they come down to the church and then they play their little, their little mini violin, you know, and get everybody to like give them money all the time when they suck the church's resources dry. Okay, that, that, that's the loose string. And then there's also the person that's too uptight. You know when you get around the uptight person where their string is too tight because they stress you out. You get around them and you're feeling the tension. You're like, man, dial that back a couple of notches there. Well, we are designed to live in balance, in, in tune here. Uh, so look at how God demonstrated this for us in the way that he lived. It lives, exists, uh, um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his what? work. 
And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. We're meant to work. We're meant to find meaning and uh, all kinds of goodness from our work. That is why people who are uh, unemployed sometimes feel this sense of depression. This is why people who retire and they think retirement means never doing anything and just endless fishing and golf games and uh, collecting seashells and watching TV, they get bored and they get depressed and they long to work because we're, we're created by God to, to be useful. Yet too much work is a sin. If you look at God's top 10 list called the Ten Commandments, uh, if you violate Sabbath, that sin is listed right alongside with murder and adultery and stealing. Uh, we're to live in this rhythm between work and rest. Look at this next diagram, and you're going to see uh, rest is synonymous with abiding in Christ and pruning. And then you pendulum to the other side of the drawing to fruitfulness and growing. In our rest, we're to remain in Christ. Or some translations use the language abide in Christ. And then we swing over to fruitfulness and growth. This is seen in John 15, 1 through 5. Look at that text with me real quick. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain, or some translations, abide in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot produce, uh, be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So in first century, grapevine growing, when a grapevine started, they did not allow it to grow clusters of grapes for the first three years of the life of the plant. So every time it started to grow a cluster of grapes, they cut it off every single time for the first three years of the life of the plant. And the reason they do that is because they, if they allow it to grow clusters too soon, the branches will be brittle and the fruit will break off and fall onto the ground. So they continually prune. And after the three years are up, they allow it to bear fruit. And these big clusters of grapes come and they harvest those large clusters. And then after the harvest, they immediately prune it again and let it rest until it's time to grow again. And when it's done that way, it produces more fruit and no fruit is wasted on the ground. I explained this principle to a friend of mine who's in the landscaping business and he said, every time we roll up on a lawn and we look at their landscaping, I can immediately spot the plants that have not been properly pruned back in order for those plants to rest because they have these brittle branches that don't hold up the blooms and the flowers and the fruit, see. So we are designed to prune certain activities out of our lives and rest so that we can be stronger to bear more fruit for God in his time. The most fruitful grapevines are those that rest. And so let's do the rest thing real quick. Rests, right? Some of you have been resting and you just need the sleep, so just keep your eyes closed and you'll be fine. But all throughout the Bible... Now, there were some of you encouraged. 
to have our Sabbath rest. Now, there were some of Jesus' contemporaries, known as the Pharisees, and they were very uptight religious guys. And when they get any kind of a, a, a law or a concept from God that's supposed to help us, they immediately create a million little nitpicky rules that you have to follow to obey the Sabbath law. And Jesus wanted to set them straight. And so one day he and his disciples were walking through the edge of a field. They were hungry. They pulled the grain heads off of some plants and started to get a little granola snack there. And the Pharisees saw them pulling off the heads of grain and they said, aha, we caught you. You're busted. You're harvesting grain on the Sabbath day. See how uptight they were? And so Jesus is saying to those guys, hey, look, you guys don't even understand the Torah. You don't understand how to interpret the Old Testament. Look, don't you remember the story when David and his men were starving to death and they ate the sacred religious bread from the temple? They just pulled it right out of there and they ate it because they were so hungry. And then Jesus said to them in Mark chapter two, look at verse 27. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people not for people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And just to show them kind of who was boss and who was in charge, Jesus healed up a man's withered hand. And then they got really irate because you're not supposed to heal a dude on the Sabbath day, according to these uptight religious guys. But let me break down what was going on here, is that it was fairly common in that day for Jewish people who were trying to follow God to have way too many stringent rules associated with their uh, interpretation of Sabbath. And the Pharisees had a problem, and here was their problem. What do you do when you have two interpretations of the law of God that contradict each other? Let me give you an example. One principle was the eighth day principle. The eighth day was the eighth day after a Jewish baby boy was born, he was to be circuit day. But what happens if the eighth day falls on the Sabbath day? Because you're not supposed to be cutting things on the Sabbath day and working, see? So what do you do? Do you practice the eighth day thing or do you do practice the Sabbath? Now, everybody knows that the, the little baby boy, he's voting on Sabbath on that, right? He's like, yeah, let's go Sabbath on this one right here. But Jesus taught this concept that whenever you have two interpretations that are conflicting, you always go with the principle that leads to the preservation of life, see? The preservation of life breaks the tie. So, if you have to work on your personal day off to save a life, if you're driving through the country, countryside on your day off, someone's in a car wreck, and you have to work to get them out of the car and save their life, by all means, don't be legalistic. Save the life, see? But on the other hand, if you are regularly overworking and violating Sabbath just to make more money or to feel significant because of your work, stop it. It's taking your life. According to Richard Stevens, a cancer researcher from the University of Connecticut, he found a link between lack of rest and sleep and exposure to cancer. And then if you look at a University of Pennsylvania study, it showed that people awake for 19 hours scored. So in other words, performance tests and alertness scales then rested people who were legally drunk. So in other words, if you are not well rested, you're about as good at work and behind the wheel of a car as someone who is drunk. See, We are designed to get a 24-hour period of time to unplug and to be 
rested. So how do we apply that? I mean, do you have to do it on Saturday? Can you do it on Friday? Do you have to do it on Sunday? I mean, how does it work? Well, remember, Jesus said the Sabbath is for us. We're not for the Sabbath, so you don't have to get all legalistic about it. What I've been trying to do for the past couple of years is on Friday at noon or around one o'clock, I can uh, stop my work for the week. My sermon's probably not gonna get that much better. I can just stop, I can just end it and not work for at least a 24-hour period of time. That's the way I do it. Some of you uh, have days off on Wednesday. That should be your Sabbath. Some of you work nights, so you figure it out for yourself. Some of you are introverts. That means you don't need to be around a ton of people on your Sabbath day. Perhaps you should get alone. Others of you are extroverts. It would kill you to be alone on your day off, and so you need to hang out with people and fire up the barbecue, right? Have a good time doing that. And get away from activities that deplete you emotionally on your Sabbath and engage in those activities that help you recharge. But what you gotta understand about what Jesus was dealing with was that these people were not just tired physically from overwork, but their souls were tired. And the reason their souls were tired because they were under these crushing religious rules from a religious system that was unforgiving. And even the Sabbath, it was just one concept given in the Ten Commandments and throughout the Old Testament about fulfilling the Sabbath, but then they created almost 40 other rules associated with what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath day. And so even when they're trying to rest, they're stressed and uptight that they're gonna break one of the other Sabbath rules, see, when they're trying to rest. And this is why Jesus said, hey, look, here's the law in a nutshell. I'll give you the cliff notes. Love God with all your heart and then love other people like you love yourself. And he broke it down in such a way where we can all understand it and we live it out the best we know how. But understand in Matthew who are under such a heavy burden spiritually. Look at what Jesus says to them in in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Excuse me. Then Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, for I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your what? Souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So see see what's going on there? And some of you feel that burden too. And here's why. Some of you have had a very heavy religious burden placed on you throughout your entire life. And today, some of you are going to get free from that. You're going to take that burden that you've never been able to live up to and hand it to Christ. And you know this is you if your thinking goes something like this. You'd say to me, Doug, you know, I've been coming to City Church I've been coming to the services, and my hope is is that I'll keep coming, and I'll apply the stuff that we learn here, and eventually I'm going to be good enough where God will accept me, and maybe someday someday I'll get into heaven when I die. That's not the way it works at all. Some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Doug, I've never been baptized, and I've never gone over to the giving station, you know, and given uh, money at the church, but someday I'll be able to do that, and then God will accept me, and then maybe someday I'll get into heaven when I die. That's not the way that it works. 
So you're like, well, Pastor Doug, if you saw what I did during Fiesta, I mean, you would know that if I did have a relationship with God, that it's totally gone now. I mean, I totally blew it, you know. My cups were stacked up to here. I was going crazy. <clears throat> That's not the way it works either. Look, let me show you the power of the cross. When you trust that when Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, it's so powerful that it doesn't matter. It covered in the past what you did last night, what you did today, or what you'll do in the future. It covers you. You place all of the burden of your sin on the cross, and it's taken care of. And you can say, like the apostle Paul did, I know who I believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. And look, some of you are like that little girl that has a boyfriend and you're holding a little flower out in the field and you say, he loves me, he loves me not. You're saying this about God. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. But here's the deal. When you receive the cross, it is so powerful that there's only one petal on your flower and it is the petal that says, he loves me, period. That is the power of the gospel on the cross. So with that in mind, I'd like you to bow for prayer. And as we bow before him now, some of you are realizing it's like dawning on you, God brought you here because he wanted you to know the truth of the cross. And I want you to just talk to him real quick. Just talk to him. And say, look, God, just in your own heart and mind, God, I know I've sinned. I've screwed up royally. But right now, the best I know how in this moment of time, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and I welcome you into my life, Jesus. Thank you for coming in. Others who have already known Christ Perhaps he's activities your, your mind by his spirit that you need to prune out of your life right now, activities you're engaged with that are not necessary, and you need to prune so that you can rest, so that you can bear fruit in his time. Just make a commitment in your heart as those things come to your mind. God, I choose to obey you by pruning. Others have been slacking. You're like the guitar string that's so loose and you've been mooching and it's time for you to say, God, I'm gonna get off my bottom and I'm gonna go apply for a job and I'm gonna work. So God, I'm gonna apply this message today by starting to fill out applications this week. I know I need to have a little bit of tension in my life to be balanced, to be tuned. God, thank you for all the good things that you're doing in our hearts today. We trust you with all that we've committed to you. And we pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.